It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Today's Locked On Thunder podcast. We're joined by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter to discuss the 2023 NBA draft. Who is now in the Thunder's range given their recent winning streak? Can the Thunder have their cake and eat it too? Plus, looking back on how Josh Giddy and Jalen Williams have progressed uh, in comparison to their draft profile. We'll talk all about that coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms, including on YouTube. Also, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We're joined today by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter to discuss the NBA draft upcoming. Can the Thunder have their cake and eat it too? Richard, how are you doing today and what is your busy schedule like? I see you on Instagram all the time going out to these places, scouting TCU, SMU, all these fun schools, uh, even high school games I saw you at recently. What is your schedule like right now and how are you doing this whole uh, draft prep season? Yeah, it's uh, it's hectic. I'm actually like I'm wearing this TCU shirt. Uh, I'm actually headed to TCU after we record uh, to go see Mike Miles and uh, a couple other guys at Oklahoma. It's been it's this is the busy season. I mean, conference play is heating up. It's starting to be a little bit more clear who's real draft prospects, who was hot starts that that just cooled off. It's starting to come a little bit easier, I would say, to scout, which is nice. Going to TCU and to play uh, OU tonight, that'll be a fun one to be at. I think OU, just as a college basketball team, is really fun because they they just get right there, but they can't quite get over the hump, and so maybe eventually uh, they'll be able to close out games. But uh, in that game specifically, I, I assume that there's going to be a lot of OU fans that listen to it. Is there anyone on OU's roster that uh, jump out to you as potential NBA guys? Because I haven't really gotten that feel yet, but uh, you, are, of course, are very intimate with their roster. Yeah, the guy who I like... Um... I don't know his age, which is like the one thing that's holding me back. I've heard he's a little bit older for his uh, for being a freshman, and that's Milos Uzon. I'm a big fan of his. Um, excited to see him. I think he's got some wiggle to his game. And, you know, just being a combo guard, I, I think he's somebody to watch. Uh, I've also had tips about like Jalen Hill being somebody to watch. These are guys who I need to do more in-depth scouting on. I saw, I saw Jalen Hill last year, and I actually really liked him. But um, – I think there's good upside for more summer league type players on Oklahoma. I don't know if there's necessarily somebody who's going to get drafted in the next couple of years at this moment. Things could change though. 
Hey, that, it worked out for Austin Reeves to be a summer league guy, and uh, he actually carved out an NBA role for himself from Oklahoma and Wichita State. Now, Richard, I wanted to have you on in this first segment to discuss the current state of the Thunder in the sense of draft view, because we all imagined, you know, in October that the Thunder would be, you know, a bottom six team, bottom seven team, to where we really hyper focused on guys like Victor, guys like Scoot, the Thompson twins, Brandon Miller, Cam Whitmore's my guy. Uh, but now the Thunder find themselves currently, you know, at the 13th slot, uh, tied with Golden State for 12th technically right now. Uh, and then if they make the playoffs, they'd be, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, whatever the case is. For the Thunder, now that they've now that they're in this slot, let's first talk about who are the same who are the guys in this range, like a Jet Howard, like a Grady Dick, like a Kyle Flipkowski. For you, if the Thunder just stay on this plane and they finish, you know, 13, 14, 15 in the in the in the draft standings, draft slots, who would be some guys that you circle as Thunder type of players in that range that are realistic to fall? to those picks guys that are versatile guys that make good decisions with the basketball guys that fit this style of play for the thunder. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple guys that jump out. It starts with Bryce sensible for me out of Ohio state. He's a wing. I think he's got a ton of versatility, especially on the offensive end, just being able to play some guard. He can play some wing. He can even play up to the forward spot and depending on how he wants to play, just incredibly efficient, great shooter can play on ball, can play off ball. I really like his game. He's somebody I'd like to see. Um, I, I think Jet Howard's a great fit, same with Grady Dick, just because, I mean, they're going to be great fits wherever they go. Jet Howard is Jawan Howard's son, coach at Michigan. So he's playing for his dad, also has the NBA lineage, of course. And then Grady Dick, I mean, they're really similar, just great shooters, lights out. Somebody who I think could get into this range, and this might be like a scorching hot take, but I would actually kill to see this player in Oklahoma City. And I think the G League Ignite is going to be, I, I think G League guys are just safer I think they're really taught in how to be an NBA player quickly. And because of that, somebody I really like, and it might shock you who it is, I really like C.D. Sissoko out of the G League Ignite. I imagine you thought I was going with Leonard Miller there, so uh, which I figured I realized I led that on. So with C.D. Sissoko, I mean, I just he reeks versatility. He's one of the best finishers in the class, if not the very best among non-bigs. He, and, and I guess outside of like Scoot too, which is incredible company, is his own teammate. Great on defense. I personally think he can guard one through four, maybe even five. He's so strong and he's long. He's athletic, super bouncy. The shot is probably projectable. The stats are less than where you want it to be. But at this point, if you told me 32% in the G League from three, 70 plus percent from the line, that's enough for me to work with. I think he's got upside there, can pass. Just so many different things he can do. He fits in any way you want with Oklahoma City especially good enough for you whenever you have Chip England in Oklahoma City to to help nurse that shot along. Whenever you have those tools of 70-plus from the free throw line, which which people use to project to see if you might be able to shoot from three, and then the, the raw numbers from three, even in the G League, are still good enough. It's really exciting. And to your point, he passes the eye test. Like watching him play basketball, you can tell even though he's might not, he might not have catapulted up boards just yet. Uh, he's going to get there because of how good he is. Do you think that he can have a rise kind of like Jalen Williams did where like we get to the combine and he hadn't quite made a jump yet, but then the measurables come out and uh, you start to kind of do more homework whenever the NBA season is not going on. People start to do more homework and then they realize that this kid's actually really, really good. And they move him up like their draft boards. Like where do you think that he could finish reputation wise whenever it's all said and done? Yeah, I mean, I really do think lottery's a reasonable end for him. Like, 
I mean, I'm trying to pull up his stats here um, real fast. I mean, he's averaging 13-3-3 and with walking a steal a game. I think that's really impressive doing that as a, pro, as a pro. We always look for those two stocks a game. And you want one at least one and one of each. Like two steals doesn't really count for that. Um, but C.D. Sissoko, I mean, he's getting a block a game. He's getting a steal a game. He needs to work on fouling. But his age and production combination, especially because he's not a top option on that team, I would say, now that London Johnson has emerged too, who's a 2024 guy, he has kind of had to just play a minimal off-ball role. I think just given that his production is really good. Efficiency is good. And he's not like a, he's, he's got a good feel for the game. He doesn't make a ton of mistakes on either end. Again, the fouling can be an improvement, but there's just not like any glaring flaw with him. So I think ultimately, I, I really do think he'll be a lottery pick. So let's dive into Leonard Miller also, because we kind of teased him a bit. I was really high on Leonard Miller last year. And, and I thought that he would be worth a flyer for a team. I think that he'd do what's best for him and to try to go and prove himself more in the G League and try to uh, get his draft stock even higher than it would have been last year. But what do you, what have you seen from him because of that decision? Uh, and and where do you kind of have him on your board in just a general sense, not the exact number? Yeah, it's funny. Last year, I was really low on him out of high school. I thought he was so ridiculously raw. He was not ready for the competition at the combine. And then in the G, and then he went to the G League, which I think was easily the best route he could have gone. College would have been fine, maybe skipping out to go to the NBA probably would have been better for his stock because like the whole unknown, but I think in the G league, somehow he's done the best thing possible, which is he's built out a stock out of real sample sizes. He's been efficient. He has worked on that offense. He seems more composed every single game, like more than the last game. I think there's just a ton of upside with him. He's six ten. He's a forward. He can defend almost every single position. The shot, I think, needs some work. But like you said, with free throw percentage is a better indicator than three-point percentage. 76% from the line versus 26% from three. Look, at some point, you got to hit more threes. It's going to be a work in progress, but the upside is there to say, hey, he could be like an average shooter in the league one day. So you look at a, a forward, you can do just about everything. That's super valuable. Can the Thunder have their cake and eat it too is the question I'm presenting for you coming up. But first, I want to talk about our good friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is incredible, folks. It's the NFL playoffs. They are here. They are heating up. We're really excited about our new betting sponsor from Lockdown with FanDuel because they are the number one sportsbook in America. FanDuel is the incredible place to be. And for you, it has features that make betting on sports fun and also easy. And if you're a new customer, that's even better because you can join today and start with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, win or lose. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel is the favorite bets from money line to point spread to player props. It's, it's the best place to go. It's your favorite place to bet at FanDuel. Plus, when you combine your bets, you can get an even bigger payout with their same game parlay. Richard, there are so many good options to bet on this weekend, especially with the NFL playoffs, but also just individual NBA games. So for tonight's action, you've got Celtics Heat. Celtics are four and a half point underdogs in Miami. Second night of back-to-back, just lost to Orlando. Uh, Am I crazy for just wanting to hammer the Celtics plus four and a half? No, I don't think so. But, I mean, let's just talk about, uh, you know, the back-to-back I think matters also losing three or four in the year to Orlando. I think that's something. I, th- I think it for real is something. And I'd also go with 
Well, now the Chiefs are two and a half point underdogs at FanDuel. So it went from the Chiefs opening up at three and a half point favorites. Now all the way flipped around to two and a half point underdogs. If you're going to get Mahomes and the points, I think you got to take that. I've been I've been saying all week to bet Bengals, but now that the Bengals are the favorites, I kind of I kind of feel the opposite now. So you can go check all that out at FanDuel. FanDuel is incredible. Do not miss out on this opportunity to uh, place your first five dollar bets, and you get a hundred and fifty dollars in free bets, win or lose at FanDuel.com. You can get that by going to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment count with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL and the Lockdown Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for joining us. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. We're joined by our good friend, Richard Stamen at Mass Draft on Twitter. And Richard, you're about to hit the road to go up to TCU and watch TCU and OU tonight. That's going to be a lot of fun for you. But my biggest question and and kind of dream scenario, the last few weeks, I'm sorry, the last few years, we've been talking about the dream scenario being winning the lottery. My dream scenario would be the Thunder make the playoffs, but yet still are able to leap up and are able to uh, trade up in the draft to get a really uh, high quality draft prospect. So, I ask you, as, as the draft guru, as someone who has to be familiar with all 30 teams and has to be familiar with all these uh, draft picks and how much value that they hold, for you, let's say, for the sake of this exercise, the Thunder finish at 15. That's their draft pick. They're at 15. How high can the Thunder go up in this draft, considering that they have four first-round picks in 2024 and a bajillion picks out in the future, uh, but how high up can you get in this draft? I mean, it depends on how realistic them moving all their picks could be. I think if they're willing to offer four picks, you might, you're probably getting in the top five. I mean, we may be having a conversation about getting into three at that point. It's, I don't think you're touching one or two. I think after that, you're in a high heat discussion if you're offering four first-round future picks. I mean, whether or not they're, they're good picks, having four first-round picks – say Orlando, like right now they're at the fifth spot. I think they would love to move back and because they have the Chicago pick too. Say they get down to 13 and 10 would be their two picks while gaining three or four first round picks. Suddenly they're a team who, you know, they want to buy this summer probably. Suddenly that looks very attractive. Same thing can be said about Washington. They're a team deprived of assets. I think it depends on who you're trading with, right? So if it's one of those teams that they sneak in there, you could probably pull it off, but they Oklahoma City would have to be ready to pay a steep price to move up. So I don't want to put words in your mouth. I want to ask it in, a, in another way, the same question. Now, I think right now is where the Thunder sit at. If you are still hoping that the Thunder bottom out because you just love this draft class, which I do love this draft class, the best that they could do is get to like the sixth best odds in the, in the lottery. Now, granted, six best odds in the lottery means that you could go topsy-turvy and leap up to number one or two. But for the sake of argument, let's just say that they remain at six. 
are you saying that if the Thunder are like 14, 15, they can get from, with all the assets that they have in the future, they can for sure at least get to like six or in that ballpark? Yeah, yeah, easily. Now, getting even higher than that, I think is very interesting because when you mention how realistic is it to trade the 2024 picks, the roster is set up in such a way that they couldn't possibly take on four first round picks in 24. Now, how many of those do you want to part with? Is it two? Is it three? Is it all four? I don't think that Sam Presti would ever want to be completely out of a draft a year in advance. I think that that is, is a bit too dramatic for Sam Presti. Now he might end up trading all four eventually, but in terms of like a year in advance being out of an entire draft, that does not seem like a thunder thing to do to me. So I think that it'd be more or less to talk about, you know, the, the pick in the 23 draft plus, you know, three more from 24 and just get it down to where you only have one in 24. Do you think that that package is, is enticing enough to make a humongous splash and say, get to three, four, five. Yeah. I mean, I think it all depends on which picks they're offering. Right. Because I'm blanking on who's they have. I'm pulling it up now again. And um, I mean, they get, I think the Clippers pick probably not that attractive. Utah's could be actually attractive their own pick and Houston's pick. I mean, it, they have to, it's going to be their pick in Houston and Utah. I, I don't think the Clippers pick holds much value personally, although they're kind of bad this year relative to where they thought. So I think if you do three of them, you can probably get away with it. It just depends on which three. Right. Okay. That, that, that makes a lot of sense for sure. And, and especially given the protections, it would be theirs in Utah. I mean, it was, I'm sorry, it would be OKC's in, in Houston's to me that is the most valuable uh, considering that Utah has some protections from that Derek Favors trade. Uh, it's not, it's not an incredible, it's not like it's an unprotected pick. And then for, for Houston, it is protected top four, but at that point it's it, for any team would be willing to take on the Houston pick, right? Because sure they could end up bottom four again. They could end up as, as a one, two, three or four pick, but there's a good chance that just the lottery odds eventually bite them because Houston's gotten really lucky in the lottery. They could have lost that pick uh, in the Cade Cunningham draft. They didn't last year. They still got, they still remained at three. So in the top three, they have not had a spur of bad luck in the lottery yet. And it's a lottery. Eventually, that's just going to happen to somebody. So even if they bought them out again next year, which might not be realistic, uh, even if they did, though, that pick still has a ton of value and a ton of currency. So coming up, I want to discuss where the Thunder sit right now with the pieces already in hand and how many of the players on the roster have exceeded your expectations and how many of the, of the pieces on this roster can be better uh, even so moving forward, despite what they've already shown you. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at L Thunderpod. And subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms and go check out Locked On NBA Big Board. Richard Salmon, tell them about your work and your podcasts coming up on the network about the NBA draft. Yeah, we're we're going over everything there is to cover. I mean, doing the NBA draft five days a week is, uh, you know, Raphael does a ton of work with that. And we 
try to cover every single angle. I think by the time the draft comes around, you can find an episode on literally anything draft related that you've been looking for, whether it's best shooters, most under the radar players, things like that. We've got them for you. So Richard, let's start with Josh Giddy. Where were you at? You remind the folks where you were at, you know, in the, during the, his draft class, you know, in 2021 and over these last 20 games, has anything changed for you about your expectation level of, of Giddy and kind of what he can achieve? Yeah, I was kind of out on Giddy pre-draft uh, in terms of like, I didn't think he was worth a super high pick, especially where he got taken. But because I, I really was worried about his defense and his shooting and just his overall explosiveness going to the rim. I didn't think it was special or anything. But, you know, to start the year, there was a game. It wasn't the game that I won't ever talk about that Oklahoma City played Dallas in the first meeting. But the next meeting in Dallas where Dallas won, Josh Giddy looked super unimpressive to me. I mean, he got – I looked up and he had suddenly like – I think it was like 16-7-7. Seven, and seven. I was like, it's the quietest 16-7-7 seven, and seven I've ever seen or whatever it was. I for a bit thought like, you know, he gets the stats. I don't know if it actually helps. But over the last stretch, I mean, his jump shooting – what two months now a month and a half whatever it feels like a long time the last like at least since december the jump shooting has been really impressive and it actually feels like we're watching a different player it's not somebody who's just very productive it's somebody who's both productive and a winning player which i don't think he had that combo going at the same time he was doing one or the other a lot of times where it felt like you know sometimes he was getting his stats sometimes he was taking a little bit of a backseat to help win but it, he couldn't find the balance but now he seems to have found that balance in his role especially with SGA and i think that's something where both guys have missed so much time in just the two years they've been together that maybe now they're just clicking that's all it is maybe it's not an indictment on giddy it's just you know the chemistry issues weren't there yeah since december 1st Josh Giddy is averaging 17 points Six assists, eight rebounds a game, nearly a steal, nearly a block per game as well. He's shooting 38% from three on three attempts a game and 51% from the floor uh, on 14 shot attempts a game for Josh Giddy. That spans over 23 games for Josh Giddy. It's it's a pretty significant sample size, and you're right. Given the fact that this is the first elongated stretch where Shea and Giddy have played together in their in their young careers, I think it's pretty sustainable. Now, now, do you view this as, as sustainable for, for Josh Giddy? I think so. I mean, really, what's the what's the holdup? Like, his numbers have never been super bad. The free throw percentage is at 81%. Like, yeah, the three-point shooting. I, I don't think 33% is something that he's overachieving on by any means. Like, this kind of feels just normal. And, and, and the pathway to get there, like even watching the games – Everything that he does night in and night out is very sustainable. It's just him using his frame, his length, his size to get to the rim. He's attacking the rim more aggressively now, which has helped him out a lot in scoring. And, of course, we all know he can pass. We all know he can be an elite playmaker. And his defense is just much more engaged. He's much more talkative defensively. He gets the guys you know, in, in the correct spots now. And I asked him about that earlier in the year, and he told me that that is a big point of emphasis for him because he understands, hey, I'm not going to be the best athlete on the floor. I, I probably never will be considered the best athlete on an NBA floor. But what I can do is invest the work in defense, the effort in defense, and uh, be a good communicator to make sure everyone is uh, is in their correct spots and we're, and we're in the best position we can be to succeed defensively. So shifting gears now to Jalen Williams. You were high on Jalen Williams. I asked you before the draft. I was like, hey, I want the third to get Jalen Williams. Is there any shot that they can figure this out or does it have to be pick 12? Like, could they 
at the time they had pick 30. Could they move up from 30 to move up to like 18 or would they have to select him at pick 12? And you said, yeah, for sure by pick 12. And what do you know it? The Thunder did get him at pick 12. So what have you seen from J-Dub as a rookie that has maybe surprised you from his, from your draft, uh, from your um, draft profile on him earlier in the, in the off season? And what do you think from him? What, what, what is something that you think from him that can still improve for me? It's his three point shooting. Like I think that he can legitimately shoot the ball. He has not done it yet at the NBA level, but I think that he can legit shoot the ball and he just has not done it at this point. So for you again, J dub, where are you at with him expectation wise for the caliber of player he can be and, and an area that you think that has impressed you and an area that you think that, you know, he can improve on. Yeah. His, I mean, the surprise thing is really just that the three point shots. So low, like his percentage is only 29% right now. That's so obviously going to rise. I mean, also 76% from the line for the season. He shot well in college. He has good form. There's really nothing that really should be changing except maybe he's adapting. It's not uncommon for rookies to shoot poorly. But 50% from the field, I mean, everything about two-point scoring has translated. Like his mid-range is beautiful, which is also why I think his three-point will get better. His scoring at the rim is really good. I mean, 50% for a wing rookie is just phenomenal. I also like his defense. Um, I think he's been one of the, it, it. There's a chance. It's obviously unfair, I think, to compare any of these guys across each other. But I mean, there's a real chance argument. I would say that Jalen Williams has been the most impactful to winning rookie, like a very top tier of those, at least for this season. I mean, he's, he's been so impactful in the Thunder's resurgence back towards the play. And I, I think he deserves way more love as a winning player than he already has gotten. I'm glad that you brought that up. And I would, I would love your opinion on this um, just to bounce this off of you. So, you know, there's, there's been Thunder fans who are very excited about what the Thunder are at right now, obviously. And there's been Thunder fans who have said like, oh, if you had Chet Holmgren, then this team's probably a six seed or a five seed or a four seed. And obviously outside fan bases are going to throw a wet blanket on that and kind of say, slow your roll. Rookies are a net negative. Usually uh, like rookies don't impact winning, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I say that to set this question up. So this question is independent of that Chet Holmgren statement that some fans run with. For me, I don't think it's fair to say that Chet Holmgren wouldn't impact this team's win total because when you say that rookies are typically net negative, then you have to kind of contextualize it by saying rookies either A, play on really good teams where they don't get minutes, and so yes, they're not going to impact winning, or B, play on really awful teams with no with no structure with, with no chance to win at all, with no talent around them to where, yes, their numbers are going to look terrible in terms of impacting winning. Whereas you have to allow the Thunder to be an outlier and say, yeah, Chet's a rookie, so is Jalen Williams, but they're being put in rotational minutes with good players around them, with a really good coaching staff, with a really good offensive system, with a really good defensive system that allows their numbers to flourish. So for you, what do you think that Chet Holmgren, hypothetically, would be a positive win player? And should, should we view rookies differently in the Thunder system because of how different it is contextually compared to other rookies across the NBA? Yes, to viewing them differently. I think, I mean, just the, they're so much different in their roster. I think makes a lot of it, makes a lot of the change too. It's hard to diagnose Oklahoma City because think about where other rookies go. I mean, looking at Keegan Murray, for example. I mean, he's out in Sacramento with De'Aaron Fox. Uh, Demonis Sabonis, Harrison Barnes. He's thrown in the mix as just a pure, he's a rookie kind of just being thrown into the fire. Whereas Oklahoma City, I think there's a little bit more balance. Yes, they're mostly young, um, but they just make it easier for rookies. I don't know what they're doing, but it works. 
And then for Chet, yes and no. I think it's yes because who else has been playing center? I mean, Kenrich Williams. Like, that. that's a massive difference. So, like, compared to what they had to do, yes, winning player. Would he have – if it was just a normal health was not an issue for anybody on the team? I actually think it's kind of hard to say. I think – I mean, Chet was somebody who I think had the most talent of anybody in the class, just being his size and handle and um, vision, defense, shooting, all of it. I think there's a real chance that statistically he could have been positive. How much does he know how to win just yet? It's really hard to say. So I'm, I'm a little bit indifferent on that, like kind of in the middle. But I think there's argu- really strong arguments for either way. Yeah, I, I, I for sure think that. It's just the blanket statement of like, well, rookies never impact winning. Yes, in general, you can point to a thousand million trillion examples of that being true. It's just a bit different whenever you give them the runway that Oklahoma City is giving them uh, to, to to impact winning and, and the structure that OKC is giving them to impact winning. They're not letting them just roll the ball out there like Houston is right now. Like they're actually playing basketball. They're playing organized team basketball and it's working out. Uh, last thing, mention Chad Holmgren for next season. Is it as easy as, you know, the Thunder lineup with Muscala at center and then J-Dub, Dort, Gideon Shea is incredible. It's one of their best lineups. Is it as easy as replacing Muscala with Chet Holmgren, who's a better, is a way better version than Muscala? Is it that simple? Or do you think that there's going to be a little bit of growing pains in the mix involved there too? Hey man, no, no slander for Mike Muscala will be tolerated. I love, I love the moose. I love the moose. I'm just saying, you know, in general, (laughs) I've been impressed with him this season, but I mean, yeah, he is definitely better. I think there'll be growing pains both physically and, uh, and metaphorically uh, with Chet, but I think with Chet, you look at – he'll be inconsistent, I think, on one end of the floor. I think you're going to find – like not not like saying like always defense, but like one end of the floor every night, I think you're going to find something where, you know, he may be locked in on defense. How's he going to look on offense? Or his, he might get in foul trouble, but his shot is falling that night. I think that's a real possibility in year one uh, for him. It's hard to say. I think being around all these guys and watching all of this and like, let's be real. I think when people hear, oh, this guy's injured, all they think is they're just sitting there in the chair, not moving. They're immobile for the entire day. Every day they're hurt. That's not how it's working. I mean, let's be real. He's probably shooting one way or another every single day. Like, even yeah, though you've seen it at court. practice, he's been winning shooting competitions at practice. Yeah. So I did not know that. Now I feel kind of silly, but I mean, I remember, um, I just blank. I had it in my head. I blanked on who it was. There was a player who he, I think it was Wes Matthews actually, when he got, when he tore his Achilles or ruptured his Achilles, like a couple months later, he was back in the gym, just taking one legged shots. He had like, you know, the little scooter and he was still shooting. Like they're still working on stuff. It's minor, but getting that consistency, that is a way to keep it consistent. They're not just never shooting or anything. I think there's upside with him. Again, it's just going to be, you're going to have those growing pains of consistency more than skill is the way I see it. Richard, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else that you want to say about this Thunder team that you've really enjoyed watching from afar as you are Thunder Draft? Or is there anything else in general you want to plug before we got here? <laughs> you just want me to, to completely uh, win over everybody in the fan base. Well, all right. I, I don't have that. Personally, I, I have been impressed with like everybody I've talked about. Also, shout out Aaron Wiggins. Big fan of him. But uh, interested to see what the deadline holds. I, I really think Oklahoma City can make some positive lateral moves. But, like, that sounds weird. But, you know, Darius Baisley, for example, being swaps for another 2019 guy, I think it could be beneficial for everybody. 
And I'm interested to see what they look like after the deadline. Will they sell? Will they kind of be neutral? See where, like, just kind of ride its course? A lot of options. Also, it'd be funny if they take a bunch of draft picks. But um, the upside with OKC, I mean, just keep enjoying that. Like, it's it's nice. This is what I picture Orlando to kind of do next year, if not better. But So it's a nice little trial. To be clear, you think that the Thunder are still in a much better position than Orlando. All right, Richard, thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week, and after the deadline, we'll see where this team uh, currently stands. Uh, Until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.